This is Jennifer Pepito with the Restoration Home Podcast. And in this season, I'm talking about the power of stability to help us connect our families and restore our communities. Today on the show, I'm talking to Anne Swindell. She is the author of two books. Her newest book is called The Path to Peace, and it's really about how we can find peace even in seasons of overwhelm. You can find Anne on Instagram at Anne Swindell and also on the internet at anneswindell.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Anne. Oh, it's such a joy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you about this concept of finding peace or stability, even in times of overwhelm, because most of my listeners are homeschoolers, and we know that there's an intensity that just doesn't end. You know, you mm. you try to do your schoolwork, and then a baby cries, or you try to teach math to one child, and the next one gets stumped on writing their letters. So it's just a very overwhelming lifestyle, in a sense, and hard to find that sense of serenity or that mm. sense of peace in the midst of it. Yes. What are some of the ways that you found that help you? You know, I'm a fellow homeschooling mama here. And so I totally get it. And I think one of the things, at least that I personally struggle with when it comes to overwhelm is just the unending nature of always being with the people you love the most, truly. <laughs> but we're all together all the time, right? And sometimes that can lead to us getting on each other's nerves or getting a little... Um, fried. And so I think for me, I feel overwhelmed uh, sometimes just because I don't feel like I have a moment to myself. And now obviously we have our schedules built in and we have quiet time. Praise the Lord for that. But I have found that for me, keeping consistent rhythms of what to expect as a family, not in a extremely structured way, like, you know, nine, 10. Now for some families that works great, but having a rhythm of the day where my kids know what to expect, where I know what's coming. We know that we do read alouds over lunch. We know that we do our morning time over breakfast. That has been really helpful for creating healthy expectations that can also form that stability within the home so that my kids aren't floundering and trying to figure out what's going on. I know what is loosely going on. And that is kind of our baseline for how we operate as a family in a, in a way that we can all walk in peace so that nobody's constantly surprised or stressed out because they can't see what's coming down the pike. That's so good. And actually, the, the whole basis for my book, which I've mentioned in other podcast episodes, is that the Benedictine rule could mm -hmm. be useful for us in modern culture. Yes. And not that we have to copy exactly how monks lived in a monastery, but some of the things that they did, did contribute to more peace and stability. And one of those things was a really clear daily ritual, you know, yes. where they had clear times for work and clear times for prayer and clear times for study. And I think as homeschool moms, many of us were never in charge of anything. Do you know what I mean? We went to school right. and then we had a job and then all of a sudden we have to manage our own homes and try and create a sense of stability when nobody is bossing us around, how have you been able to have that kind of self-control even to create those rhythms? You know, I think part of it is that I'm still a work in progress, but I also have really paid attention to other women who are a few steps ahead of me. And I've looked at them and I've said, okay, your kids are a decade older than mine, or you've already launched your kids into the world and they're thriving. And 
you guys are relatively sane. You know, what, what did you do that I can learn from, that I can mimic and then alter for my own family? So morning time is a great example. I mean, all sorts of families do morning time in all sorts of ways. And I have looked and have seen what other women have done in their own lives, people in my actual life, people online, um, books that I've read. And I've taken that and said, okay, what's going to be healthy for our family? What do we want to emphasize? What do we want to look at? And so I think models are really important when we want to consider as women, how do we run our home? Obviously, we want the biblical model to be first and foremost. We want to keep first things first. But after that, there's so much creativity and fluidity that we can have in our individual homes. And so modeling has been really helpful for me. And then also really paying attention to my individual kids. My daughter is nine. My son is five. And they are very different and both very wonderful. But my son is busy and he needs activity and he needs more things to do. He needs to have time to tinker and think and play on his own. My daughter, if she could read for 12 hours a day, would just read for 12 hours a day. So I have to figure out ways to, you know, break up things for her that are, are healthier. So working within the confines of my kids' personalities and needs, my personality my needs, I can't go all day. I will totally burn out if I just go from eight to five. So I think I mentioned this earlier, but we have a quiet time built into every single day where for an hour and a half, the kids can either nap, read, rest, uh, play quietly on their own. And I get to do the same. That's my time where I get to read or nap if I need to, or prep for dinner and then sit down and maybe even do some needlepoint. So <laughs> there are lots of opportunities for us to think about what's going to be refreshing for our family. I think looking at others who've done that well is a really healthy way to at least start the process of praying through and thinking through what that might look like in our own world. You know, I think I love what you're saying about making time for yourself to rest, because I think one of the things that really destroys stability, destroys the peace of our home can be our own emotions. And mm -hmm. we, you know, emotions are normal, but when we are tired or when we're overwhelmed, Sometimes our emotions can be destructive. I mean, there were a few yeah. times when I, you know, screamed at a child or something, not because the child did anything so bad. It was just that I was so overwhelmed with, yes. you know, trying to care for a baby and trying to help someone with their math and just the accumulation of noise on an already tired. And, you know, usually those times when I would fall apart on a child were when we were overscheduled. Yes. You know. And, and so I love that you have a very reasonable rhythm, but I think what happens for a lot of moms is, you know, they, they maybe have charter school funds and so they want to get their kids in all these activities, or maybe they see their friends doing a bunch of activities. And so they get too busy with young children. Mm. And then that creates these moments of crises where they, they melt down and just really create a very frightening, frightening. I mean, it created a lot of fear for my mm. children if I did yell at them or, or fall apart in that way. And it was almost always tied to being overscheduled. Yeah. How do you, what would you say to those moms who <laughs> haven't been able to say no? Yeah, I would say, I feel your pain. I'm laughing because as I'm sitting here and we're talking, I'm looking out at our neighborhood and we're the only homeschool family in our neighborhood. Although we live in Michigan where homeschooling is pretty common, but all the kids around us are busy a hundred percent of the time it feels like they're always off to one thing or another. And sometimes I sit here and I'm like, you know, my kids are like, my five-year-old isn't in any activities other than church stuff. My nine-year-old is currently in ballet. That's what she's been doing. It's what she loves. That's it. And sometimes even that feels like a lot. She does take piano lessons, but that's, that's a little more flexible. 
I will say sometimes I have that anxiety of like, oh my gosh, am I failing my kids? Like everyone around them seems to be doing every sport or every activity or everything. Is my kid missing out because they're not in band and theater and art and dance and sports? And my own childhood, like I was one of those kids. I, and I love my childhood, but I went to just a regular, um, you know, school all the way through and I had all the activities and I did all the sports and I loved it. So for me, it's counterintuitive to kind of really pull back and pull back hard when everyone else around me is really going after a lot of activities. It's not always bad, but for our family, it would kill us. My husband's a pastor. I have my work as a writer and I speak. If I was trying to also have my kids do 15 different things, we would, we'd get totally overwhelmed. We would, there'd be so much stress in our home, more than necessary. And so we have just, my husband and I, we have talked through what are our priorities as a family? What, what do we see as biblical priorities for our family? And for us, it starts with being a family who comes around the word together. We want to make sure that we're modeling being in the word for our kids. We're showing them at their you know, ages what it looks like for them to be in the Bible. And what we want to model for them as mom and dad, that they see us getting in the word and studying the word. Family prayer time. And then a lot of family fun. We love to have adventures together. So these are some of our priorities is we're going to be in the word. We're going to uh, worship together. We're going to play together. And guess what? It takes a lot of good time to do those things well. And so if we can fit in other things, that's fine. But we're not going to have every night of the week scheduled because we lose that opportunity to rest together, to enjoy each other, and to create space for some of the nuanced conversations that happen when you've got an hour at home together in the quiet and you're all just there. So I, I constantly feel like I'm fighting against the tide, both of culture, but also honestly my own history. And so I usually just have to take it back to the Lord and take it back to my friends who are trying to live similar, similarly and say, I'm not crazy, right? Like my kids aren't going to miss out because they're not in 85 activities. They're, the good stuff is still happening, right? And it's true. If they're getting loved and cultivated at home, that's what's most necessary for a soul to be shaped and formed in a way that they can live beautifully, productively, and Christ-centeredly out in the world. Yeah, that's all so good. I think it's going to be so encouraging for families to hear because I feel like there are seasons, you know, you do have seasons. And so maybe right now is not a busy activity season, but later on it might be. Right. But, you know, the fact that you and your husband really sat down and developed a family vision, that's one of our big, you know, things that we talk about the peaceful press is just yes. how important vision is to homeschooling. Because if you don't know what is important to you, you will burn yourself out trying to do what everybody else is doing. But if you know what's important to you, you can create a life of stability and mm-hmm. peace with those steps. I, I was going to say, I think it's important too for us to remember that the, the deep values and truths and rhythms that we're seeking to build into our kids take their whole childhood. (laughs) It's not something that we can microwave, you know, habits that are healthy, um, a soul that is well-formed, a family that looks more like Jesus over the years, it's together. Those kind of things, it might feel like week in and week out, you're sitting there going, gosh, are, are we doing anything as a family? Like we don't have any sports trophies to show for this, or we don't have any performances I can take family to. If you have kids that are growing in godliness that know they're loved, that know they're safe, that are learning about the beautiful truths of the world and the hard truths of the world in the wonderful greenhouse of your family, 
that is good work, but you're not going to see the fruit of it right away. And so I guess some of my encouragement with that as I'm in the trenches too, is like, take heart, fight the good fight. It's a long fight. It's a long obedience in the same direction, you know, but it's worth it. Yeah. I love that book by Eugene Peterson too. And, and, you know, one of the things that you're talking about is this idea that we're sowing seeds and we don't immediately see the fruit. And that's a big part of a Charlotte Mason education is, you know, we're constantly reading out loud to our children and we're having them narrate, but we don't have all these worksheets that prove that we've done a bunch of work. But, you know, you are not only you've written this book, The Path to Peace, but you're also a writing coach. How, How do you feel as we as moms are trying to nurture communicators, nurture writers. Do you think that it's the worksheets that are more important or those stories that we're reading aloud? I mean, I would, I grew up on worksheets, but I would definitely bend hard into read alouds into yeah narration. I honestly think too, reading to our kids is absolutely key. And then when they can read on their own, letting them devour as much, obviously, healthy literature as they can. Um, I laugh because I went to like a typical school, but it was more of a magnet school growing up and it did not have state requirements. And so I laugh because I don't think I had any grammar until like junior high and maybe for like half a semester. Okay, now (laughs) I'm not sure how helpful that was, but guess what? I am literally a professional writer for a living. So only having one semester of grammar didn't ruin me for my whole life because that's what I was called to do. And so down the road, I developed that craft. I walked with the Lord in that area. I got the training I needed. You actually completely fortified my message because (laughs) what I try to tell families is, you know, in those years, especially before fourth grade, to spend your time reading, talking about the books, drawing about the books, playing about the books, using your imagination. Yeah, all of it, all of it. And then the grammar, that's easy to teach and fast when your child is ready to learn it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. thank you. You just reiterated that. <laughs> I'm a living example, I guess, for better, for worse. But yeah, you know, I one think... the... Go ahead. One of the things that, you know, as families, like, so a family might be listening to this and they're like, I don't have a rhythm of life. Mm-hmm. I don't have a good daily rhythm. I haven't had good self-control. My children are in chaos. How would you talk to families who are feeling... For one thing, all of that defeat and then wondering, how do I even start? Mm. So my first encouragement would be to start with the Prince of Peace himself. If you're feeling overwhelmed and stressed out and feeling like you're failing, the good news is there is a savior who loves to care for his broken sheep, (laughs) of which I am one. And so, you know, in my book, The Path to Peace, I what I do is I go through um, eight different men and women in the Bible who were facing really challenging circumstances, really hard situations where they didn't know or didn't understand what God, how God was going to show up, what he was going to do. And the heart of this book is to help us see like, no matter what you're facing, no matter what your circumstances are, whether it's an you know, unruly child or a marriage that's struggling or a home life that feels out of control or finances that are completely depleted, there's a God who sees you, loves you, knows you, and can and will intervene into your circumstance as you seek him. And so my first encouragement, it sounds basic, but most of the time, if you're like me, I need the basics, is to go to the Lord first. Don't try to go to other sources. Yes, models are good. I love using the wisdom of other women. Go to the source first. Go back to Christ. Seek him earnestly cry out to him, ask him for help, be in the word. The word is going to feed your heart and soul more than anything else. 
And if you can get in the Bible, if you can ask the Lord to help you pray to him, it's this promise that he gives us, right? In John 14, 27, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, when Christ says, peace, I leave with you, my peace, I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He gives us peace regardless of circumstance, trial, or situation because peace is a person. He's giving us himself. He's giving us more of himself. And so you can have peace no matter what you're facing because you have the Prince of Peace ready and willing through his Holy Spirit to help you walk in this season. And then with that as the basis with Christ at the center, that's when you can start reaching out to your community um, for help. I And some of you may be like, I don't have a church community. I don't have a small group community. I don't have a Bible study community. I don't have anything. I would lovingly say nine times out of 10 in my own life, I have to, I have had to be the one to start that community. I've had to be the one to reach out even in my own church to say, Hey, let's get a women's group going, or can we grab coffee? Um, everybody's lonely. Everybody needs help. And so reach out, ask for help. Um, Hire a babysitter if you need to, to get some hours away to go think and process and set out what your plans are as a couple or as a, if you're a single mom. And then you do the small work day by day. You don't turn a ship in two minutes. <laughs> it can take a long time to turn unhealthy rhythms in a home into something that's life-giving and freeing. But the small daily habits, the small daily work of making the choice to get time with the Lord, modeling for your kids what it looks like to respond in kindness rather than anger, repenting when you do respond in anger, showing your children these things over time, it will change um, the temperature in your home. And obviously too, praying for our kids, praying for ourselves, praying for our husbands. The Lord hears us and loves to answer um, the cries of his beloved children. Yeah, I love this. The the podcast is called Restoration Home because it's not mm. about having perfect homes. It's mm. about that faithfulness that you keep on, you know, even if you do yell at your kids or even if you do have a meltdown, even if you are, you know, having a bad monthly cycle and, and not living up to your own best ideas of what it looks like, we can always repent and get back into that perfection, that righteousness that God's given us. So Amen. such an encouragement. So are there any other, you know, just like the, some of the things you said, you know, getting in the word, spending time with the Lord and mm -hmm. getting your community involved. Is there anything yeah. else in your book that you're like, this is what I really want everyone to know about the path <laughs> to peace? Oh man, there's so much. I, I have several thoughts, but I think one of the main ones is if there's someone listening today and they're just thinking, that's great for everyone else. Like, but you don't know my story. No, I don't. But God does. And the same God and the big heart of this book, The Path to Peace, I'm taking time to look at Old and New Testament men and women to say the same God who saved them, redeemed them, healed them, took care of them, provided for them. This is the same God we serve. He has not changed. You know, the scriptures tell us Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God who met Moses in the burning bush and gave him the strength to face Pharaoh when it was the last thing he wanted to do. That's the same God that we serve, who wants to meet you in the middle of your mess and hearten you and strengthen you and give you the, the peace of his presence and his power to do every good work that he's called and equipped you to do. 
And so just to know, you're not, you're not the exception to the rule of God's goodness. You're not the exception to the ability to experience God's peace. Um, the world will tell you that peace looks like easy circumstances and just simple, you know, maybe little to no responsibilities, propping your feet up on the beach. The gospel tells us that we always have access to peace because we have access to Christ. And so no matter what it is you're facing, Jesus is with you and he wants you to know and experience the peace that he offers. Mm, so good. And I'm really excited for people to read your book. Is it all linked at anneswindell.com? Yep. Yeah. If you just go to my name, anneswindell.com. And Anne has no E, sadly. I mean, I love my <laughs> name, but I read, you know, Anne of Green Gables as a kid yes. and I was like, oh no, no E. <laughs> Um, so no, it's just anneswindell.com and yeah, all the details are there. And I also love to connect on Instagram. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for sharing. I know moms in this season are going to be so encouraged to hear your words of peace. 